Hey, welcome in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This is episode show number 42, season number two of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for being there. Hey, we're listened to in as many as 36 states now. We we just picked up Montana. So we got Montana, Arizona. Of course, uh, our big areas are Florida, uh, state of Washington, Ohio, uh, Virginia, Georgia, Colorado, Alabama, Texas, Massachusetts. We are everywhere. We're listened to by um, by our comedian friend, Miller Mark, up in New York as well. So, again, thank you for tuning in. Shout-outs to everybody. Mad Max uh, at the Alabama-Georgia border. He's our Georgia Bulldog football insider. I kind of handle the Florida Gators stuff when we talk about the SEC. But the main thing is we do talk about the uh, Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports as well. And it does kind of, uh, you know, it, it does kind of blossom out into many different areas. So we're glad you're here with us. Uh, I do want to get this um, this number 20 Jalen Ramsey stuff out of the way. I mean, there's been some stuff that I have heard, you know, secondhand, thirdhand concerning, and I don't even know what podcast it was, but apparently – Jalen Ramsey went on a podcast and said something about how uh, former Jags general manager Dave Codwell yelled at him, and I guess that made him feel disrespected. The only thing I've got to say about it is Jalen Ramsey stole three game checks uh, from the Jaguars, you know, the last three games he was with the team, and that's, you know, that's what happened. And I will tell you, back in 2017, you know, he was, in my opinion, the straw that stirred the drink. I'll mention probably one of the more entertaining games I saw was Ramsey's matchup against A.J. Green. Uh, and I believe that was in the uh, 2017 uh, playoff run when the Jaguars went to the AFC championship game. So in any event, I was in Ramsey's camp for a long time. I was a backer and promoter of Ramsey, and then two or three things happened, and then I was completely out. And especially when when we, you know, as uh, uh, fans in the media in Jacksonville, Florida, and, of course, surrounding areas in North Florida and beyond, uh, when you deal with, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey and the fact he stole three game checks, that's when I lost my patience. That's when I said, hey, man, get what you can for him. I mean, I will say this, former general manager Dave Codwell got a bundle. I mean, he got some first-round picks for Jalen, a fourth-round pick. And, you know, they have they have turned those picks into um, uh, Caleb on chase on. I'm talking about the high first-round picks now. Caleb on chase on, these are, you know, fairly late first-round picks. Uh, pass rusher Caleb on chase on, we hope will blossom in year two. And also... Travis Etienne, going to be a slot receiver and a running back for the Jaguars. So the Jags did get some great value in the trades um, coming back, of course. So we appreciate you tuning into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Great creation tools with Anchor. Uh, we also want to thank um, Saucerility, Larry Saucer. I saw some news about Saucerility recently. And I'm, you know, I may not be saying it uh, correctly, but in my mind, it looks like saucerility is sanctioned in Jacksonville, Gainesville, and almost a every area in between. So if you're looking for 
you know, whether it's home, residential, business, commercial, real estate needs. Remember Saucer Realty here in North Florida. If you want to find a link to Saucer Realty for your real estate needs, go to BigJReport.com. Scroll down all the way through the homepage. And when you get to the 24-7 North Florida weather information, about halfway through the weather, you'll see a link for Saucer Realty. Click on that link. Uh, check them out at Saucer Realty. also want to thank LakeYourFallHits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. They've got rock Saturdays. Uh, hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights, and a lot more. And, you know, we mentioned Rock Saturdays, Hits 2000s, Monday through Friday night. And, you know, otherwise, most all the time, recognizable and great hits. LakeYouFallOfHits.com, where it's all good. Great internet radio. And you can follow us, of course, at BigJReport.com. More of the Teal Shirt Report podcast coming up. We're going to kind of, you know, center ourselves on, honestly, the uh, Jaguars offense about the electricity and the excitement that the Jaguars offense, it looks like they're, they're going to be creating and generating as we get closer uh, to getting into training camp and, of course, the 2021 regular season. Again, you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We got much more coming up. We'll take a look at that, uh, what could be a vaunted offense in the future. Stay tuned. Hey, you're tuned into the Teal Shirt Report, episode 42. That's episode show 42 of season number two. And I, I did state a little earlier that we weren't going to talk you know, really weren't going to say much about Jalen Ramsey other than he stole three game checks. I know Terry not from our Big J Report uh, .com Facebook group said, man, he needs to be in L.A. And then I heard somebody, I thought to myself, well, he doesn't mean lower Alabama. Couldn't mean that. Oh, he means Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams. So we're, we're going to, as far as the Teal Shirt Report podcast goes, we're going to, as far as Jalen is concerned, we're going to put the, uh, you know, like the genie in the bottle, we're going to put the top back on the bottle and, and Jalen will stay in that bottle with the, with the top on the bottle. He'll stay out in La La Land, out in Los Angeles uh, with the LA Rams. Not to be confused with lower Alabama. So he's out in Los Angeles uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. So we're going to talk Jaguars football. Um, North Florida Entertainment, other area sports, too. I wanted to kind of concentrate on the offense today. And, again, I think Terry Knott did have a good point about, hey, let's uh, – he's happy out there. That's where he needs to be, and we're certainly going to move on. And the Jaguars have over the last two years with a couple of good late-round first – a couple of good late first-round picks from the L.A. Rams in the trade plus a fourth-rounder as well. So we're going to move on. Urban Meyer is the new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's ready to win. You know, Urban Meyer, new Jacksonville Jaguars coach Urban Meyer. Uh, of course, he is uh, a builder of culture, a builder of teams. And Urban Meyer says he wants to win. And that's the next step right now. Looking at the offense they're building, 
you know, with uh, Daryl Bevel, who's building the offense, you know, and Coach Urban Meyer's image, perhaps maybe a, the best way to put it. Um, Urban Meyer wants, you know, he wants these players to be bigger, stronger, faster. And it's just like DJ Chark, probably the team's number one wide receiver, potentially the number one wide receiver. Uh, DJ Chark gained almost nine pounds of muscle, you know, according to the strength and conditioning uh, gurus with the Jaguars. So take a look at the offense. And, you know, I talk to it. I like to talk to the fans, too. I talked to a very astute fan the other day, and his name kind of escapes me, but his feeling was, is the Jaguars, and I liked what he had to say. The The thing he said was, and and I'm, I'm kind of borrowing this from someone I heard it from, but it makes a lot of sense. LaVisca Chenault and Travis Etienne in the slot. You know, Travis Etienne's going to be in the slot. He'll play some running back, too. He's going to be all over the field. So you got LaVisca Chenault, Travis Etienne in the slot. And then your deeper wide receivers, obviously, are going to be DJ Chark and Marvin Jones Jr. So with that being said, that's a lot of targets. And that's kind of part of, you know, Urban Meyer and offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel building the offense in Urban Meyer's image, per se, is the fact that they want to spread the other teams out. And, hey, they spread the other teams out, and then all of a sudden they're going to pop you with a run with uh, James Robinson, who gained over 1,300 yards, or I should say gained over 1,000 yards in 13 games last year as an undrafted free agent rookie. I'll repeat that to make sure I got it right. He gained over 1,000 yards in 13 games. Back in the day when there was a 14-game schedule in the NFL, the big goal of the running backs, man, can you get a running back to gain 1,000 yards? Well, we got to congratulate running back James Robinson. He was an undrafted free agent um, uh, rookie that, uh, you know, Dave Codwell signed, the former GM, and he was coached by the former coach, Doug Marone. They had nothing but really good things to say about this guy. He got 1,000 yards in 13 games. He's going to be on the team. As far as I'm concerned, he's the number one running back. Travis Etienne is something different. He is a, a slot guy that can play some wide receiver. He can play the running back position. It's going to be interesting. This, um, you know, this defense is, is, or I should say the offense, is going to be manicured, and it's going to be built, and it's it's going to be put together by the offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, who, of course, is building it, you know, certainly in the eye of Urban Meyer. So you take a look at 2021. Oh, by the way, I know a lot of people wanted to know, when is training camp starting? I understand the Jaguars 2021 training camp will begin July the 27th. We are recording this podcast on uh, Sunday afternoon, July the 18th. But training camp actually will begin on July the 27th. So training camp getting close. And then we've got preseason games, a regular season. I know this year there'll be uh, three preseason games and 17 regular season games on the schedule. So we take a look at the offense without further ado. Uh, here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast, we're brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast with great creation tools. Also by Saucer Realty for, uh, North Florida's, for your North Florida real estate needs. 
Salsa Realty for home residential business, uh, commercial real estate. It's Salsa Realty. You want to find the link to Salsa Realty, go to our, our, our homepage at BigJReport.com and scroll down. And uh, you'll find the link to Salsa Realty right there uh, where we put together the 24-7 North Florida weather information for our area. I looked at the forecast today. It looks like some rain is going to be moving back in today. And also Monday. What's interesting is we got nearly 10 inches of rain in June. Not as much here in July, over three inches of rain so far. And uh, most of that rain, like, like, I think uh, two and three tenths inches of rain was was pretty much attributed to um, several days ago to the tropical storm uh, Elsa. Um, you know that uh, took place early in the month of July. Uh, that we're now in it's July 18th actually today. So we we go back and we take a look at this offense. Also want to mention LakeEvolahits.com. LakeEvolahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. LakeEvolahits.com, another one of our sponsors on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. But we'll take a look at this offense. Uh, Daryl Bevel, again, the offensive coordinator, he's building this offense in Coach Urban Meyer's image, perhaps. You know, Urban's probably telling him what he wants, and now he's putting it together. So we take a look at quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who – is going to play every game, every down, as long as he's healthy. Should I say Tim Tebow might come in and play something near the goal line? Probably not. Does Tim Tebow make the team? That's that's going to be up to what happens in training camp. Let's see what Tim does. You know, I think if Tim can develop and uh, refine some blocking skills, you know, and prove he can catch the ball, you know, and I think he's really proven he can catch the ball as a former quarterback. He can he can handle the ball pretty well. So we'll see if he makes the final fifty-three. That's certainly I think that ultimate decision, you know, is Urban is Urban Myers and the coaching staff, particularly the, the the guy that coaches the tight ends too. So we'll see what happens in that regard. I'm pulling for Tim to make the team, the final fifty-three, of course. When you take a look at the main players on offense uh, for the Jaguars, if it's true they're going to really use a slot receiver, that could diminish the tight end role somewhat as far as pass catching. Now, maybe that's the reason why the Jaguars signed Chris Manhurts in the offseason, one of the better blocking tight ends who played uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Now, you know, he, as a free agent, he signed with the Jaguars, of course. Uh, that's uh, Chris Manhurts. James O'Shaughnessy, probably the top tight end as far as being able to catch the ball. And, you know, he, and if he can stay healthy, James O'Shaughnessy will be certainly a part of the offense as far as catching the ball from the tight end position. Chris Manhurts, more of a blocker. Um, Chris Manhurts, by the way, who spent time with the Carolina Panthers, went to Canisius College, really a small college, Canisius College. Also another tight end, Luke Farrell. Drafted out of Ohio State in the fifth round. Tim Tebow, of course, signed, you know, basically as a, a free agent who hasn't played in the NFL for a good while. You got Ben Ellison, I, th I think, who's been on and off the roster in the last uh, couple of years. He's a two -year, second year guy. And you got tight end Tyler Davis. I believe he's a, he's a, considered a second round guy. Had some injury issues. He was a very late, late round pick, I think, around the 
Gosh, she was late in the draft, too. I keep wanting to say the 11th or 12th round, but there's not an 11th and 12th round anymore. After the seventh round, you're basically, if you're signed, you're an undrafted free agent. So Tyler Davis, I think Tyler Davis was a, seven, a seventh round pick back in 2020, the tight end out of Georgia Tech, Tyler Davis, who a lot of people are kind of high on him. Uh, however, the Jags really haven't drafted a tight end high in the draft. You know, the closest thing was, um, of course, Josh Oliver, who spent almost his entire two years with the Jaguars on IR. I think he might have played two or three games, and that was about it. So, and he got traded, you know, to the Baltimore Ravens, um, what, for future considerations and a draft pick, I believe. So, the tight end situation, James O'Shaughnessy, Chris Manhurts, uh, Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, the rookie. Tim Tebow, you know, was in the tight end room as well. Tight end Ben Ellison and tight end Tyler Davis. That's who you have in the tight end room at the present time. Your quarterback, obviously, is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor's not going to come out. You know, I, you know, I will tell you that uh, brother Blake Borles, when he played quarterback for the Jaguars, he was durable. He didn't come out of the game much. I think one time he might have had to go take a, a Gatorade break to get uh, – rehydrated or, or maybe use the, the men's room. And um, that was about the only time Blake uh, didn't come out until he was demoted. And then the Jags played, you know, a backup, backup quarterback, the different guys, you know, of course, you know, they used to play the kid out of USC who's no longer, you know, on the roster, of course. But uh, so what it comes down to your number one drafted guy, your number one overall drafted guy, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to play, you know, nearly every snap, 99.8, 99.9% of the snaps in case he has to come out of the game for a play or two. As long as there's not a, a serious injury or health issue, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be out there. Trevor Lawrence thought by the scouts, even as of last year, if he had to play in the NFL last year, when he played his last year at Clemson, a lot of NFL scouts thought he could have been a top 10 NFL quarterback last year. I, I believe that. I think the the Jags and offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel are setting this thing up, you know, for success. Um, I really like the top three wide receivers on this team, and that would be, of course, DJ Chark, who's gained um, almost nine pounds of muscle, muscle mass, a stronger guy, already a fast receiver. So you got DJ Chark, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., the free agent from Detroit, who also played for not only Detroit but Cincinnati in the past, veteran guy. You know, and I believe he's uh, in his early 30s, and he's had really some success, particularly the last, you know, particularly the last uh, uh, three years or so. I think he's caught – I'm not looking at the stats right now, but – I believe Marvin Jones Jr. has caught – Let's we'll pull up his stats. We can do that right now. But I believe he's caught like nine – what is it, nine touchdown passes? Um, nine touchdown passes, heck, in the – you know, in the last – each of the last, what, two or three years. So Marvin Jones has been a very effective receiver for the Jaguars. Um, taking a look at his stats – Man, some of his most recent stats, um, 62 receptions, 779 yards, nine receiving touchdowns. Uh, we're going to pull up uh, Marvin Jones' stats and look at him a little bit more. 
let's take a look at, you know, like the last couple of years. Uh, 2020 was last year, 76 receptions, 978 yards. Let me repeat that, 76 receptions, 978 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, he's had 51 touchdowns in his career. I mean, this guy is a legitimate veteran wide receiver. He may not be an A receiver, but he's a B plus. And um, you could say Marvin Jones is the number one guy. You could say DJ Chark is the number one guy. I think for Jags fans, the hope is DJ Chark is because that means he's developing into something, you know, more than he has been. So DJ Chark and Marvin Jones are deep guys down the field. And, you know, Trevor's got to hit him with some nice passes. And, I, you know, certainly I see that happen. LaVisca Chenault and, of course, Travis Etienne, more of your slot guys. Um. Colin Johnson, the wide receiver, the second-year guy out of Texas, may be the fourth wide receiver. And I'm not including Travis Etienne in that because he's officially a running back but a slash slot receiver guy. So last year, looking at Marvin Jones, um, 76 receptions, 978 yards, and nine touchdowns. That truly that truly gives uh, Trevor Lawrence a veteran presence, a veteran wide receiver. DJ Chark, very talented wide receiver with a lot of speed and a lot of potential. And LaVisca Chenault the same way. LaVisca Chenault, the definition of LaVisca is man, he goes all out. Uh, yard Yardage after the catch. The yak, as they call it. So I am very comfortable with the, the top three wide receivers. DJ Chark, um, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones Jr. And then, you know, Travis Etienne is going to be a little bit of an anomaly because he's a running back slash slot guy receiver. Going to create some excitement and matchup nightmares all over the field for the opposing defenses. And I think as they draw it up, that's what Urban Meyer and the offensive coordinator uh, Daryl Bevlin are looking for. They're looking for those good matchups for the Jaguars. They want their guys to be fast, strong and relentless, whether they're playing offense or defense, some relentless players that are going to, you know, they're going to outwork everybody. So that's what we're looking for, you know, on offense with those uh, receivers. James Robinson, you know, when the Jags spread out the other team's defense, they're going to pop it up the middle with a run from James Robinson or um, or Travis Etienne or even Carlos Hyde, who's probably the uh, the third back of the three. So you take a look at all of that offense, and we've talked about the tight ends, the receivers. Colin Johnson, who may be the fourth best receiver. Now, Philip Dorsett is on the roster, as I understand it. His hope is to make the team. Does he become the fifth guy, the fifth wide receiver on the roster? How many wide receivers do the Jags carry? They might not carry six wide receivers. They may carry five because Travis Etienne might be considered a running back slot slash receiver. So. Training camp is going to define a lot of what's going on with the Jaguars. Offensive line, I looked at that too today as we're talking about the offense. There's there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of experience. However, there's guys that have been injured, and the health of the offensive line is going to be critical. However, I think there's some depth there. Right now, as it stands on July 18th as we record this podcast, Cam Robinson's a starting left tackle. Andrew Norwell's a starting left guard. There's been talk about Andrew Norwell's pass protection is pretty good, although his run blocking may not be as good. 
But in any event, he's got to be healthy. Brandon Linder, Linder, I should say Brandon Linder, the center, is probably the most highly thought of of the offensive linemen, although he's missed a lot of games uh, in his uh, career with the Jaguars. And if he could play all, you know, if he could play 15 to 17 games this year, which would be, you know, substantially the majority of the games, that would help the Jags significantly. Um, I do need to pull up. You know, we get on that, you know, we get on that roster, that Jags roster, and I have to start kind of thinking, man, is this guy still on the team? You talk about A.J. Ken. He's not really talked about that much, but typically, typically he is the, um, you know, I mean, he's a starting, um, he's a starting right guard. Um, You got Ben Barch, who was drafted last year out of St. John's in Minnesota. You know, he played tackle in college, but could play guard. And he has played some guard. Played a little guard last year when some injuries hit. Uh, but, you know, you pull up A.J. Can. There's been pro and con on on Can. Um, A.J. Can. He's still on the roster, of course. And he should be the – most likely is going to be the starting the right guard. Number 60, right guard, six foot three, 315 pounds. He's actually – can you believe how time flies? He's in his seventh year – out of South Carolina. Then you've got Jawan, you got Jawan Taylor out of Florida, the right tackle who they said had a little bit of a down year last year. Not everybody follows offensive linemen. Some people, you know, they see a couple of breakdowns and they say, oh, the offensive line is terrible. It's not always like that. I mean, let's take a look. You know, when I, I was talking about the running backs earlier, um, you know, Divine Zigbo out of Nebraska going into his third year, still on the team. He battled injuries though last year. So that's another player, Divine Zigbo, though, I have to take a look at. I was kind of high on him last year. He just didn't get on the field, and that's a running back. But when we talk about, you know, A.J. Can going into his seventh year, and uh, we talk about Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor is obviously he's a high draft pick. Jawan Taylor was actually picked up in the second round. The Jags thought a lot of people thought they were going to pick him in the first round, but he was still there in the second round. So um, Jawan Taylor wears number 75, big offensive lineman, right tackle, 6'5", 312 pounds, going into his third year, critical year, you know, out of Florida. So those are the starting guys, but you know, you talk about you talk about the depth on the bench with a guy like Walker Little, who the coaches and I'm you know I'm going to say that's going to be the offensive line coach Warhawk. I mean, they're high on Walker Little, and Walker Little at the, this present time doesn't really have a starting position. But that's when the depth comes in. If somebody gets hurt, Walker Little's going to play pretty quick at a, at a tackle position, right? Ben Barch, he'll come in at guard. Tyler Shantley. Tyler Shantley's been a he's been like a career backup offensive lineman for the Jaguars, but he's played a lot of football. He's played eight years. Uh, he's eight year. He's an eight year veteran out of Clemson. I think he's played all and he played all eight years with the Jaguars. Amazing. So we also want to mention Will Richardson. He's kind of almost like the forgotten guy, but he has played some, you know. And he he's a, a player that's always been. Um, Let's see, Will Richardson's always been a player that's been projected, you know, as a guard, but he's played some left tackle too. About six foot six, three hundred and six pounds at a North Carolina State moving into his critical fourth year with the Jaguars. So you got the starters, and then you got about four guys. 
Um, yeah, Will Richardson, who we, we did talk about. Walker Little may be the number one guy coming off the bench. He was a, you know, heck, walk, walk, Walker Little is what, uh, you know, he was drafted pretty high in the draft. Um, you know, Walker Little, you know, was actually a third-round pick, I believe, out of Stanford. And they're high on him. I mean, he hadn't had some injury issues. He's supposed to be at 100% right now. Uh, Walker Little, you know, out of uh, out of Stanford, you know, the, the coaches are raving about him. And uh, you take a look at uh, the Jaguars. Let's pull it up real quick, the Jaguars uh, draft 2021. See if I can pull up the 2021 draft picks uh, real quick. Um, Walker Little, offensive tackle out of Stanford. You know, he was actually, you know, he was actually a late second round pick. He really was. So you had uh, Trevor Lawrence and the, the number one overall pick, Travis Etienne, with the number 25 pick who they got in the Jalen Ramsey trade for getting that pick at number 25, which was the Rams pick, but the Jags traded for it. Uh, top of the second round, number 33, Tyson Campbell, the cornerback out of Georgia. Uh, round two at the number 45 pick was Walker Little. So he was actually not third round, but second round. Offensive tackle out of Stanford. At the top of the third round, Andre Sisco, a, a safety out of Syracuse. So Walker Little is a is a is an offensive lineman, primarily an offensive tackle. I don't know if he could move to guard if if they had to put him there. I think they like him at offensive tackle. That's just an opinion I have. So you've got these these guys that are you know mainly the main backups that could go in quick, case of injuries, poor performance perhaps. But you got Walker Little as a backup. Um, you also have uh, guard Tyler Shatley, guard Ben Barch. And, of course, Tyler Shatley can play center or guard. Ben Barch is a, is a guard who has played tackle in college. And then you got Will Richardson, who's kind of, uh, you know, he uh, is kind of versatile too. He's played some guard and tackle. So you got some versatility with the backups on the offensive line. And my goodness, we just mentioned nine offensive linemen. So the Jags have plenty of offensive linemen there. We'll see if they all make the team. You know, maybe one guy or you, you might see a guy get hurt. Uh, maybe one guy disappoints and doesn't make the team. Uh, we'll absolutely see what, what happens. But that's kind of a look at the offensive line, the wide receivers, um, of course, the quarterback situation where right now Gardner Minshew is the backup, uh, of course, behind quarterback Trevor Lawrence. We've got C.J. Beathard, who's kind of the 2B guy. If Minshew were to happen to get traded, you know, C.J. Beathard's going to be quickly going to quickly rise to number two. And uh, then you got Jake Luton probably will start out on the practice squad. So that's kind of a complete look at the the offense of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And all of the, a lot of this conversation kind of stemmed from me talking with a fan I ran into the other day in a parking lot at the grocery store. And he was telling me, you know, he had his Jaguars hat on his Jaguars shirt. And he really believes he's followed Urban Meyer. He really believes that Urban's going to be much higher on the slot players than tight ends as far as receivers. But, man, he's going to use everything. He's going to throw the, the whole kitchen sink at the other team, and he's going to try to spread out the defense and then pop them all of a sudden with a run with James Robinson or, uh, of course, uh, 
Travis Etienne is probably going to play a lot of the slot, play a lot at the slot, but play some running back too. Carlos Hyde is is a power runner at times who probably won't get a lot of carries unless there's some injuries because I think running back James Robinson is going to play a lot and be the main guy, but also carrying the ball from the uh, from the backfield. You're going to see, um, I think, uh, Travis Etienne and Carlos Hyde getting some work there. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This is episode number 42 of season number two, episode show number 42 of season number two. We'll continue. We still got North Florida Entertainment coming up. You're going to take a look at some indoor football as part of other area sports. So stay tuned. This is the Teal Shirt Report podcast being brought to you by Anchor.fm. Simplest and easiest way to make a podcast with a lot of great creation tools from Anchor.fm. Anchor, now known as Anchor by Spotify. That's Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast with great creation tools. We've seen a lot of enhancements and improvements from Anchor over the last several months. Also, Saucer Realty for your North Florida real estate needs, stretching from Jacksonville to Gainesville, in between Lake City, Live Oak, and all those surrounding areas in North Florida. For your real estate needs, see Larry Saucer at Saucer Realty. You know, whether it's home, residential, business, or commercial real estate, it's Saucer Realty. You can find the link to Saucer Realty by going to our website at bigjreport.com. Scroll down to our North Florida weather. And right in the middle of the North Florida, the right in the middle of the 24-7 North Florida weather, you'll find a link for Saucer Realty. So we want to thank our sponsors, Anchor.fm, Saucer Realty, LakeUfallHits.com for great internet radio where it's all good and again you can follow us at bigjreport.com you know we have freelance writers on there of course we've got jc our freelance writer also uh alex nunnery our bigjreport.com sports reporter alex has had some interesting experiences lately in the realm of indoor football we're going to be talking some indoor football coming up you know, as well here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast as we do talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports, which kind of covers a broad area, as well as we do cover SEC football, college football just around the corner as well. You are listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're listened to now in as many as, can you believe it, 36 states, plus internationally, Northern Ireland, uh, England, the UK, Newport, Wales. Man, we're everywhere. Andy Powers, hello to you out there in the UK. Andy moved recently. I couldn't tell you exactly where he lives, but he's out there in the UK listening into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Also want to say hello to Mad Max was a Georgia Bulldog football insider. We're going to talk SEC football for just a minute here. And, uh, you know, I've gotten the I've gotten the books here recently. You know, the books I talk about, the uh, Athlons and 
I remember back in the day when I was a kid, I think the book, the, the main book I used to like to look at was Game Plan. I'm not even sure Game Plan is still around. So there's, you know, there's Athlon, Phil Steele. I'm not as fond of Phil Steele. I think what Phil Steele does, and we don't want to talk about him too much out here, but I think his book comes out a little later than some of the others, like the Lindy's and the Athlons. So sometimes the books try to come out a little later thinking they got more information. There's, you know, there's a transfer portal now and everything else. I did see something interesting though. When you talk about SEC football, we know Auburn fired their coach Gus Malzahn, which surprised some people, but you know, he's got to be the head coach at Auburn's got to beat Alabama some of the time. Right. So, Gus Malzahn got fired by Auburn, and he moved to Central Florida after Josh Heupel left and went to Tennessee. UCF coach, and I saw this in uh, the local Times Union sports section here in Jacksonville. Um, And actually, this it looked like this came from uh, actually uh, the Gainesville Sun, USA Today Network. UCF coach, Central Florida coach Gus Malzahn said he'd be willing to play Florida in a parking lot. It appears the schools have come up with uh, more more traditional venues. So, you know, Florida is going to play UCF. They're already playing South Florida this year. Um, I think the athletic director for Central Florida kind of kind of messed up because he was trying to get what he wanted, but. But they're all going to play each other eventually. Central Florida is going to play Florida. South Florida is playing Florida this year. And, in fact, the Florida Gators really playing a tough schedule, the SEC schedule, plus they got South Florida on the schedule. And, you know, when we take a look at the SEC, you know, we are going to be referring to our Georgia Bulldog football insider, Mad Max, also Alex Nunnery, you know, our BigJReport.com. Uh, sports reporter who covers the Florida Gators, you know, like I cover the Florida Gators as well. Uh, JC, our freelance uh, writer for BigJReport.com, he's he's more of an Alabama expert and an SEC West expert. So let me just give you some of my take on this, the SEC. It looks like the SEC going into uh, 2021 is going to be a conference of not many – recognizable or experienced quarterbacks. It looks like the most experienced guys are probably uh, Matt Corral at Ole Miss and the Georgia quarterback who really hasn't played much at Georgia, but he's kind of highly thought of. He used to be at SC at at USC. Um, What's his name? JT Daniels. So JC was telling me, you know, um, he's our – freelance writer with BigJReport.com, but J.C. was telling me he feels like those two guys are probably going into the season the best two, uh, potentially the best two quarterbacks in the SEC. Now, there could be some surprises. We'll see what happens. Emory Jones has been a good running quarterback and a backup role for Florida. Uh, Dan Mullen, Coach Dan Mullen at Florida, who just recently got a contract extension, and I think he's now the third highest paid uh, coach in the SEC, maybe the fifth highest paid coach nationally. Dan Mullen is going to go with Emory Jones, but he does have some quarterbacks waiting in the wings in case Emory has any, you know, sputters any or not doesn't play up to uh, potential expectations. But keep in mind, Emory Jones has been in that program at Florida. Now I think going into his third year, a lot of people say Emory can run. He, he gives it that exciting, intangible to be able to run. And there's a lot of people think 
that Emory is going to put up a good amount of passing yardage too in the SEC. So this all remains to be seen. So when you take a look at the SEC, you want to break it down real quick. I mean, it's going to come down to the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville. It usually does, and I think it will again this year. Everybody seems to tilt. Everyone is tilting a little bit more toward Georgia over Florida this year. Maybe that's got something to do with JT Daniels versus Henry Jones. Um, also, the fact that, you know, the highest I saw Florida ranked in the books might have been 12th nationally. And then there's people that are saying Florida's 22nd or ESPN had Florida maybe 25th or out of the poll. And then they put another poll out saying they were Florida was up high around 12th again. But I think a lot of uh, credence goes into the fact that the schedule I think Georgia may have, you know, even though every everybody's playing tough SEC teams when you're a member of the Southeastern Conference, but sometimes the schedule can be a little bit favorable, and sometimes that makes a big difference. Who you got at home, who you got on the road, uh, all the teams you're playing, and maybe that team or two you're not playing. I know that Florida is playing Alabama early in the year, in late September, and I think that is why a lot of the quote-unquote so-called experts that write the books talk about the polls, they're already saying, hey, they're conceding that Alabama's going to beat Florida in late September. I mean, most people would, and that's what's happening. And that's why Florida is not going to be ranked in the top 10 to start because they got Alabama coming up so quick on their schedule. You know, I think Georgia, even if they had Alabama on their schedule early, like I think they did last year, as I understand, you know, some some years Alabama may play Florida. Other years it may play Georgia or Tennessee. Um, it makes the schedule – it can kind of tilt the schedule a little bit depending on who you're playing. I mean, I got to take – I got to take off my hat to Alabama. They went 13-0, won a national championship and an SEC championship in a COVID-19 uh, year, which will always be looked back upon as the COVID era. I said to myself, there's no way in an SEC conference-only schedule that somebody's going to go undefeated. But Alabama did. You got to take your hats off to them. They went 13-0. and Now, here's the thing with Alabama. They're going to be going to a quarterback that's not as experienced as well. And we'll be talking about that, you know, in the coming days, in the coming weeks here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast as well. But Alabama's reloading. And everybody in the West says it's uh, basically your top two are going to be Alabama and Texas A&M with LSU and maybe Ole Miss. Maybe Ole Miss is a surprise team with quarterback Matt Corral. Um, LSU a little bit down, and, you know, there's been some issues with uh, Coach O over there. He, He reminds me so much of Gus Miles, a great recruiter, but, man, sometimes the strategy of the game kind of slips past them like uh, like uh, uh, with, with Coach O. You know, go Tigers, right? He says, go Tigers. Um, Coach O and Les Miles, I, I meant to say Les Miles. So Les Miles was basically kind of ran out of LSU, right, once or twice and then permanently. And then Coach O was elevated, won a national championship with Joe Burrow and, you know, had that that really good that, that quarterback coach. Um, and his last name, by the way, was Brady. I think Joe Brady, right? So 
now those guys are gone. Burrow's gone now for, you know, over a year. He's an NFL quarterback with Cincinnati. He got hurt also. Um, so they don't have Joe Burrow. They don't have that that quarterback coach, Brady, who's now with uh, – I think he's the offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers now. So Coach O, you know, he's a great recruiter. He's, he's going to get the athletes, but will it put them back over the top? That one year when they – you know, during uh, Joe Burrow's last year when LSU won the national championship, is that basically it for LSU? Are they going to come back to the top or are they going to slip a little bit? It looks like they slipped a good bit last year. Maybe they're still going to remain down. So right now, to me, and then Auburn's got a new coach too, but you have to kind of keep in mind Auburn can be Auburn. They had a, they still, even though they you know weren't at the top with Alabama and uh, Texas A&M, Auburn still, I think they were, what were they? They still had a pretty good year, five and three or something like that in a shortened season. Um, or they were five and three at one time. I'll take a look at where Auburn finished last year. But it got Gus, it got Gus Miles out the door, right? Auburn football, let's look them up last year. The COVID season, it was an all-conference season. And... Um, Let's take a look at the schedule and results of Auburn. I'm very interested in going back and taking a look at this because Gus Malzone, you know, obviously, you know, got fired last year. Now he's coaching at Central Florida. And um, I tell you what, wow, was this last year? Was this the bowl game? Auburn was beating the bowl game last year by Northwestern. Looked like Auburn finished six and five. They kind of went down at the end, you know, losing to Alabama, obviously, and and then losing to the bowl game, win the bowl game. Let's take a look at the uh, Auburn football as we take a look at the Southeastern Conference, which seems to me to be Georgia and Florida in the East, Alabama and now Texas A&M, you know, obviously – in the um, the West, yeah, Auburn finished six and five last year. I think at one time they were like five and three, five and two, but Auburn lost to Northwestern in the bowl game, thirty-five to nineteen. That wasn't too good for Gus. Uh, Auburn did defeat Mississippi State twenty-four to ten. I guess that was Gus's uh, last win at Auburn. Texas A and M beat Auburn by eleven points, thirty-one to twenty. That didn't help Gus. Alabama blasted <laughs> Alabama. And, you know, that Texas A&M-Auburn game was like a makeup game, I think. that It was actually scheduled the week after the Alabama-Auburn game. But Alabama blasted Auburn. Man, Alabama 42, Auburn 13. Gus, that'll get you out the door. Auburn did defeat Tennessee 30-17. to 17. The Auburn-Mississippi State game was postponed. Then it was made up on December 12th. Auburn defeated the pirate, uh, you know, coach Mike Leach, 24 to 10. So Auburn actually played 11 games, including the bowl game. They finished six and five, actually. So I'm glad I kind of looked that up to clear it up. So Auburn and LSU are trying to get back to the top, but right now a lot of the experts think it's going to be Alabama and Texas A&M in the West and uh, Georgia and Florida in the East. I think a lot of the experts are certainly holding, 
uh, Florida to the fire saying, hey, they're not going to be a top 10 team. Heck, they're playing Alabama early in the year. So what they're doing, the experts that do the polls, the books, et cetera, they're already penciling that in as an L for Florida in late September when Florida uh, plays Alabama. That's a home game in Gainesville, by the way. So bear that in mind. I'm going to pull up the uh, Florida Gators schedule. Now, that um, that that game between Alabama and Florida comes up very, very early in the year. It really does. It's like the third – I believe it's the third game out of the box. Florida, they play FAU, uh, Florida Atlantic University. Then they play South Florida in Tampa. That's actually a road game. Uh, for Florida, let's take a look at the uh, schedule, Florida schedule for 2021. We were talking about the results of Auburn last year. But uh, let's take a look at the the Gators schedule for 2021. And let's take a look at the 2021 Florida Gators schedule. Okay. Here we go. Let's pull up the Florida Gators schedule. Okay, Florida does play Florida Atlantic in Gainesville. That'll be the first game on September the 4th. Florida travels to play at South Florida on September the 11th. And then Alabama, as Keith Jackson used to say, whoa, Alabama. So Florida plays Alabama on September the 18th. It's in Gainesville. Then Florida catches Tennessee after the Alabama game and then goes, plays at Kentucky. So you take a look at this schedule. Florida. You know, all the experts say, well, Alabama's going to beat Florida in Gainesville, of course. So you take a look. And then Florida plays at LSU after the Vanderbilt and Kentucky games. Okay. Then the Georgia-Florida games on October the 30th, you know, the day before Halloween. So that's some of the schedule. It's not going to be an easy SEC schedule. Florida State back on the schedule November the 27th. That one will be in Gainesville on November the 27th. Not hitting the entire schedule, but there you go. That's a good part of what's going on in the SEC. So that's that's kind of why Georgia – Georgia got a good team. I mean, Georgia's got a couple of really good offensive linemen coming back. They got a, a lot of good defensive players coming back. They've got uh, JT Daniels as a starter. Jacksonville, Florida's very young. Carson Beck may be the backup at Georgia now. So – we're kind of looking at uh, – and we're going to look at the SEC conference in more detail, you know, over the, the, the coming days and weeks on the T-Shirt Report podcast as well. But right now it looks like most of the experts are breaking it down as Alabama, then Texas A&M in the West, over in the East, Georgia, and then Florida. The key thing about Georgia and Florida, though, is they have to play each other in Jacksonville on October the 30th, and that's pretty much going to decide – you know, who represents the East in the SEC championship game. Alabama will play Texas A&M. And um, Alabama beat Texas A&M pretty good early in the year. Texas A&M got better as the season went on, though. But Alabama's going to have to answer, hey, we've got a new quarterback playing this year, so that's going to be a key. There's not that many veteran quarterbacks coming back in the SEC this year. You know, Matt Corral, a lot of people think Matt Corral at Ole Miss. He's been at Ole Miss, I think, three years. And there's some people that feel that Matt Corral could be the best quarterback in the SEC. Maybe JT Daniels at 1B or or 2 at Georgia. And then Emory Jones, kind of a wild card. Emory's played some, you know, when he's played a few series. He's coming on third down. 
He hasn't played a lot of football, but this is going to be his year. This is Emory Jones's year to to shine or pine. If he, if he plays well, he'll stay out there all year long. But Florida, as I understand it, they got a couple of good backups waiting in the wings. So we'll see what happens. So that's kind of our look at SEC football. I want to thank all the uh, contributions, you know, I get from, you know, folks like Mad Max, who's a Georgia Bulldog football insider. He sends me emails from time to time. And Max is, you know, certainly welcome to leave voice messages or emails. Either one is fine. And uh, JC kind of covers uh, on the other side of the conference in the West Alabama, and he's kind of a SEC West expert. And Alex Nunnery, our Big J Report, Uh, .com sports reporter, covers the Florida Gators kind of like I do. And, I mean, I've been a Florida Gator fan since I was like seven years old, you know. What's the old saying? Knee high to a grasshopper. So I was about seven years old, and and my dad, who passed away a few months ago, really was uh, the one instrumental in getting me started with Florida Gator football. I spent about 20 years or more over 20 years in the broadcast industry, uh, in the broadcast industry, primarily doing radio. And now we're doing a podcast. And of course, you can, you know, you can read our stuff at BigJReport.com. We're going through some changes at BigJReport.com. Going to do a little house cleaning. And uh, but we do have a lot of stuff. We, We have news, sports, more sports and weather on the website at bigjreport.com. So check us out sometime at bigjreport.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Saucer Realty for your North Florida real estate needs. If you're thinking about moving to this beautiful area or you're going to add a second property or maybe you want to sell your property, Contact Larry Saucer at Saucer Realty. You can go to the website, scroll down to the weather information. You may have to scroll a good bit. Once you get down to our 24-7 North Florida weather, you'll find the link for Saucer Realty right there in the middle of the North Florida weather report, our 24-7 North Florida weather, which is on our homepage at BigJReport.com. I want to thank um, JC, our uh, BigJReport.com freelance writer. And uh, we also want to thank JC, um, you know, for doing a lot of great things with LakeUfallahits.com. That's right, LakeUfallahits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. One of our sponsors at the Teal Shirt Report podcast. It's LakeUfallahits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. So those are some of our sponsors, BigJReport.com, and, of course, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, we're going to take a look at some uh, North Florida entertainment coming up as well. Hope you enjoyed you know, some of our conversation on the SEC. Everybody that follows the SEC typically, you know, has an opinion on the Southeastern Conference, of course. Uh, we're going to take a look at some indoor football, also North Florida entertainment, as we, uh, you know, pull up some of the uh, latest shows uh, that are scheduled in our area. I ran across a couple of new shows that we're going to have to add uh, to our website in the neighbor's area where we check concerts on the website at bigjreport.com. Ario Speedwagon, this is a makeup show from last year. I mean, Ario Speedwagon tried to do their concert here in Jacksonville, I think a couple of times last year, never got the show in, and now Ario Speedwagon. Um, their show will be this coming Thursday, July the 22nd at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a makeup show from last year due to COVID issues and concerns again from last year. That's Ario Speedwagon. 
this Thursday, July the 22nd of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater this uh, Thursday night here in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, something we wanted that we need to add to the uh, you know website concert area is that on Wednesday, Wednesday, September 29th through October the 3rd, the 2021 Jacksonville Jazz Festival will be back. The 40th anniversary, downtown Jacksonville, Florida. I've been to this. It's a lot of fun. I think one year I just kind of stumbled into it. I forgot it was going on. I was downtown doing some other stuff. And lo and behold, the Jazz Festival kind of jumped right out at me, you know, while I was downtown. So it's a good event. And the Jacksonville Jazz Festival 40th anniversary will be held on uh, Wednesday, September the 29th through October the 3rd of 2021. Jacksonville Jazz Festival, 40th anniversary in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, taking a look at some other uh, shows throughout North Florida now. Uh, let's take a look at some stuff coming up. How about this one? Green Day with Fallout Boy and Weezer. That's coming up in just a few days on July the 31st of 2021 at 5.30 p.m. at TIA Bank Field. Here in Jacksonville, Florida, that's Green Day with Fallout Boy and Weezer. And that'll be on July the 31st, 2021 at 5.30 p.m. at the TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida at the stadium. Also at the stadium a few days later in August, Motley Crue, also Motley Crue and Def Leppard with Poison at TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday, August 7th of 2021 in Jacksonville, Florida, getting underway at 4.30 p.m. You got three different groups, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and also with Poison. It all starts at 4.30 and will continue into the evening. And that Saturday night, August 7th, into the nighttime, uh, Saturday, August 7th of 2021 in Jacksonville, Florida. Also got Santana. Uh, Mr. Carlos Santana, Santana on Tuesday night, September the 21st of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. This one will be at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. ZZ Top, ZZ Top on Sunday night, November the 14th of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in Jacksonville, Florida. And I know Mad Max will be into this one. Mad Max, our Georgia Bulldog football insider. How about this, Mad Max? KC and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> KC and the Sunshine Band. Here we go. KC and the Sunshine Band on Saturday, January the 22nd of 2020 at 7.30 p.m. Coming in a few months to the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville. That'll actually be next year. KC and the Sunshine Band on Saturday night, uh, January the 22nd of 2022 at 7.30 p.m. Coming in a few months to the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville. And Mr. Elton John... You know, he announced this show uh, several months ago that it would be held not this year, but next year. Elton, I think it was this was actually announced way back in late 2020. Elton John, the Elton John Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour in 2022 on April the 23rd of 2022 at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. That's at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. So that's a look at some of the concerts on North Florida Entertainment. We still got to take a look at indoor football as we continue with other area sports coming up as the Teal Shirt Report podcast rolls on. Again, thank you for listening.
congrats to the Mississippi State Bulldogs on winning their first ever national championship in college baseball history and in their school's history. The Bulldogs, they're led by outfielder Rowdy Jordan from Auburn, Alabama. Also led by outfielder Tanner Allen from Theodore, Alabama. They're also led by former JU second baseman and starting Mississippi State second baseman Scotty DeBrule from Venice, Florida. Hey, that was um, Alex Nunnery, our BigJReport.com sports reporter, talking again about Mississippi State winning the College Baseball World Series, uh, which just concluded, you know, a few weeks ago. So congratulations again to Mississippi State on winning the College Baseball World Series. Some news there, of course, from the SEC, from the Southeastern Conference. Let's take a look at indoor football that's been going on. Uh, I tell you, the Columbus Georgia Lions got a really good team. They got a a really good performance out of their quarterback, Mason Espinosa. Had a really good night as the Columbus Georgia Lions defeated the Jacksonville Sharks here in Jacksonville. The Columbus Georgia Lions 67, the Jacksonville Sharks 35. And that was on Saturday night, July the 17th. Again, the Columbus Georgia Lions 67, the Jacksonville Sharks 35. Close game between Orlando and Carolina. The Orlando Predators, 43. The Carolina Cobras, 40. The final score on Saturday night, uh, July the 17th. And I understand that the Albany-New York Empire easily dispatched the Jersey flight. So, you know, it's looking like the Jersey flight's at the bottom, kind of at the bottom of the National Arena League. The Sharks are, too. I mean, the Sharks have lost some critical games. You know, including a you know a couple of losses uh, to the Columbus Georgia Lions. They've lost to the Predators. The Sharks did defeat the Albany New York Empire. The Sharks still have a shot at making the playoffs, but they're going to have to try to pick up another win. And I think they've only got a couple of um, you know a couple of regular season National Arena League games left to try to make one of those top four uh, playoff spots. So, so again. National Arena League action, the Columbus Georgia Lions 67, the Jacksonville Sharks 35 in Jacksonville at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. The Orlando Predators won on the road up in uh, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. The Orlando Predators 43, the Carolina Cobras 40, and the Albany New York Empire uh, defeated the Jersey flight as well. I don't have that score, but I know the Albany New York Empire did win that game over the Jersey flight. In fact, Albany, you know, had had really uh, put together a lot of points toward the end of that game as well. So that's what happened in indoor football. Of course, we need to talk about the EIF. The Elite Indoor Football League had their, their championship game up in Wheeling, West Virginia. Quite interesting. And I know it came down to player availability. Some of the Southern Steam players may not have been available to play in this game. Um, I think according to um, Alex Nunnery, our Big J Report, dot-com sports reporter, Alex Nunnery said, I believe the Southern Steam went with 16 players. I know it would have been nice if they had had their full complement of players, probably up around, 
you know, 20, 25 players or more. But according to Alex Nunnery, I believe the Southern Steam had as many as 15 or 16 players that were there at the Elite Indoor Football League Championship game, which um, unfortunately, it looked like Redding, you know, outplayed the Southern Steam and probably outnumbered them. Redding, Pennsylvania is a lot closer to Wheeling, West Virginia, you know, than the Southern Steam uh, from the North Florida and South Georgia area. You know, and I know the Southern Steam has some players in South Georgia, uh, players in the North Florida area, and of course they played they played their home games the last couple of years, right? You know, right here in Jacksonville, Florida, at the Ice and Sports Complex. So, the Elite Indoor Football League Championship game up in Wheeling, West Virginia, went to the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors. The Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors, fifty-six, the Southern Steam six. I will say, I saw the trophy. The trophies that were awarded for the Elite Indoor Football League Championship game that, uh, you know, according to uh, Coach uh, Coach Bobby, you know, Coach Bobby Damerol, the coach and owner of the Southern Steam, he was highly, and I saw the pictures of them, I, and uh, they were very nice-looking trophies that were put together by George uh, Crowdy, uh, George Crowdy that uh, did the uh, trophies apparently that uh, the, the EIF had some nice trophies that were awarded to the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors, who won the Elite Indoor Football League uh, here in 2021. Last year, there was a title game. It was a little unorthodox last year in 2020 due to COVID. I think they called it the COVID Bowl last year, in which the Space Coast Tar Heels defeated the Southern Steam. This year, though, it was two traditional EIF teams playing in the championship game. And it was the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors 56, the Southern Steam 6. So, you know, you can you can make, you know, all the excuses up in the book. You know, um, player availability, um, you know, not having the breaks. It, you know, I think I think um, the best thing to say is just it just wasn't the Southern Steam's day. And certainly player availability, if they'd have had more players at the game, they would have done better and been certainly a lot more competitive in the game. So again, you know, sometimes it, you know, it comes down to uh, no matter what the issues, no matter what the excuses, it just wasn't the Southern steams day. And, and Hey, I love those guys they are nice guys, the coaches, the Southern steam family, the players, the fans, it's a great group of folks. And uh, the Southern steam, unfortunately they were on the losing side of a bit of a romp the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors, 56, the Southern Steam, 6. The Southern Steam even threw a couple of, uh, you know, two or three forfeits during the season, whether a team didn't want to play or there may have been some COVID issues at some point in time. Whatever the issues were, the Southern Steam, they were the benefic- the bene- uh, the benefactor, um, the benefactor of, I think, as many as uh, uh, two or three forfeits, but they did finish officially with a record of 6-5, and five played some really good football. And again, we look forward to the Southern Steam in the future. And uh, I understand they're going to have to find a new venue because the Ice and Sports Complex has been bought by the Jacksonville Icemen. And, uh, you know, they're going to turn it into something else. I believe they're going to take the uh, inside, uh, the indoor football field out of there and put another rink in. So it is going to be, I believe, known as the Igloo uh, going forward when August comes around the Jacksonville Icemen officially buying the ice and sports complex, 
plan to turn it into the igloo. I, I did talk to Coach uh, Bobby Damerol and the owner. He's also the owner of the Southern Steam, and I believe the Southern Steam will be in search of another venue in and around Jacksonville or surrounding areas. And because I know a lot of the players come from the North Florida, South Georgia area, even the Central Florida area as well. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Southern Steam, you know, in the future. We wish them well. We enjoyed watching them play, especially when we really had no indoor football to speak of except the Elite Indoor Football League last year in 2020. It's been a great ride. And we certainly are looking forward to them continuing as the Southern Steam and the Elite Indoor Football League. But they were on the tough end of a loss, the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors. The Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors, 56. The Southern Steam, 6. The final score. And the best, as I could calculate it, it looks like the Southern Steam finished, uh, even including uh, some forfeits. Looks like they they officially finished with about a six and five record, and a loss in the Elite Indoor Football League Championship game to the Reading Pennsylvania Raptors, fifty six to six. But I do want to wish uh, coach and owner of the Southern Steam, Coach Bobby Damerol, who's also the owner of the team, we wish him and his wife Miss Jenny well as they prepare, you know, for another year. And they're going to, I'm sure, be in search of another uh, venue for the Southern Steam to play in, as I understand it, in 2022. That's going to do it for the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, This is, of course, episode, it's hard to keep up with all these episodes, but this was episode number 42. Episode number 42. Hey, that's um, significant to uh, Jackie Robinson, right? Who... uh, you know, gave a lot to baseball years and years ago. And, you know, the rest is history. So we want to remember the late, great Jackie Robinson, number 42, on our 42nd episode, our 42nd show and episode of the Teal Shirt Report, season number two. Thank you for listening. want to thank our producer, uh, our producers, uh, J.C., also, Alex Nunry, thank you for helping to make the uh, Till Shirt Report, you know, into something that we, you know, we're all a part of because I do have a lot of really good contributors. want to thank all those those players with the Southern Steam who, you know, have given me interviews and players in the National Arena League, too. I appreciate you guys very, very much. Uh, Ella Smith, who's gone on with the Orlando Predators and playing so well as a defensive end with them. So we want to thank all the guys that contribute to the show, whether you're a player, contributor, or, you know, like Alex Nunnery, a BigJReport.com sports reporter. I want to thank, of course, uh, JC, our BigJReport.com freelance writer and producer of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. So we thank our producers, first and foremost, Alex Nunnery, and uh, JC, I appreciate you guys helping us out. And again, this has been episode show number 42, season number two of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We cover North Florida entertainment. First and foremost, the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida entertainment, and other area sports. You can always write to me, scott at bigjreport.com. That's the email address, scott at bigjreport.com. If you want to send us an audio message that we can perhaps air on a future Teal Shirt Report podcast, uh, you go to anchor.fm to our feed, our anchor.fm feed of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And click on message. You can send us, I think, up to a, a one-minute audio message. If you run out of time, you can create a second 
up up to one minute message as well. So we try to make it easy for you. And of course, Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast and all those great creation tools. And of course, those messages, um, you know, and the interviews by Alex Nunnery have been left as messages and great audio quality too. You know, as far as the messages we get from Alex Nunnery, you know, and other folks, uh, you know, like Southern Steam, number 99, uh, uh, George Bowen. Uh, we want to thank George Bowen. I know he's left us a couple of messages uh, this year during the um, the Steams uh, games. And, hey, George Bowen also played kind of a double header because he played in the EIF championship game for the Southern Steam. And then later in the day, at the same venue in Wheeling, West Virginia, they had a West Virginia Rough Riders alumni game. And I understand that uh, George Bowen uh, played in that game, and, and actually his team won the second game of his doubleheader after losing the difficult uh, um, Southern Steam loss to uh, the Reading, Pennsylvania Raptors in the EIF championship game. So I want to thank uh, George Bowen for keeping me up to date with all of that. I um, want to thank all you guys. Max Paul uh, mentioned me in a comment on Facebook and, you know, all you guys that listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We're listening to in as many as uh, 36 states. So that makes us pretty close to nationwide. And we want to thank all the people that listen in Northern Ireland, Montreal, Canada, the UK and England, Hong Kong. Hey, guys. And want to thank everybody, uh, Germany, New Zealand. Um, we're also listening to in France, Puerto Rico. And so, again, thank you for listening wherever you happen to be. We're listening to in as many as 36 states, and we're international and worldwide, too. Again, thank a special thank you to our sponsors, Anchor.fm, Saucer Realty, LakeYouFollowHits.com, and, of course, you can follow us at BigJReport.com. And one more time, let me also thank our producers, Alex Nunnery and JC, that, you know, keep it happening right here at the Teal Shirt Report podcast. You guys have a great day. My name is Scott. And, hey, if I miss something, because there's a couple of things I still haven't gotten to yet that we'll get to on the next podcast, uh, the next episode will be episode number 43. So this will put a, put a lid on episode number 42. This has been episode, uh, episode show number 42 of season number two. And, again, Alex Nunnery and JC, thank you for helping to produce the Teal Shirt Report podcast. You guys have a great day and a great week ahead, and uh, I'm out of here. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Have a great day.